When I think about the various teams that I have played on in my life, I've played a lot of sports, pretty much every sport that a guy can play at one point or the other, I have had a lot of coaches, and I cannot help but think of the coaches that I've had on the various teams in my life. Now, I had some coaches that I thought were really, really, really good coaches, and I had some other coaches that I thought were not so good. Um, as a coach, if you are a coach in this room or have been a coach, you kind of know how that can be. In the, in the place that I am in my athletic career, uh, there's not much of an athletic career. It's just one of reflection. I think back on all the times that I had, and, and as I think about that, I, I realize that what makes a, a major difference to me, what's made the most impact, what's separated what I feel like is a good coach from a not-so-good coach in life, is the coaches that I all thought were great coaches were coaches that were there to not just win a ball game, but to really make an impact in our lives. They were the coaches who really gave the most of themselves, that taught us about life and not just about football or basketball or wrestling, but taught us about life decisions, about work ethic, about things that we needed to be successful throughout life. Part of great teamwork. Part of any great team is the willingness of a person to give of themselves for the betterment of the team. In order to be a great team, we have to be willing to give of ourselves. In order to be a great team, we have to be willing to give of ourselves. I, there's volume, <laughs> just a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to be distracted by them, just slightly. So we turn that a little bit down, I do apologize. Uh, otherwise, go games. Uh, my apologies. So, in order to be part of a great team, the first thing that we have to give, the first thing that we must give is our time. Now, this extreme is found in the story of Samuel. So, the story of Samuel goes like this. There was a man named Ephraim. He had two wives, uh, Penaniah-ish, uh, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, and Hannah. Now, Hannah could not have children, and, and that's what she wanted more than anything in the world. She wanted to have a child, Penn and I had a lot of children, and she kind of rubbed it in Hannah's face, and it just caused her to grieve and grieve and grieve and grieve and grieve. And she, she, it just broke her heart. And, and Ephraim came to her and said, aren't I worth more to you than ten children? And she didn't say it, but she was thinking to herself, no, I want a child. And so she went to God, and she said, God, if you will just give me a child, I will give that child back to you. I will give that child back to you. God heard her, and he, he took favor on her, and, and he gave her a son, and that son was Samuel. And she kept her word. She was true to her word. Once the baby was weaned, once he had grown big enough to go into the service of the Lord, she took him to, to the temple. She took him to Eli, to the Levites, to the priests, and, and, and gave him to, to service to the church. Now, this is one of those instances where it's uh, Eli, or Samuel wasn't really giving of his time. It was like his time was given for him. But Samuel was in the line of the Levites. And Levites, is, a lot of you know, were a tribe of priests. And that's what they did. They were priests their entire lives. And, and we come to verse 24, 28, and this is what it says. It says, After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. 
So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. So we see that Samuel was a Levite. Like I said, dedicated his whole life to the priesthood. Dedicated his whole life to the service of God. And, And for those of us outside of ministry, if you're outside of ministry, you sit there and you think, well... That's a lot easier if that's your job, right? Like if your job is to only work at the church and, and you're supported by the community and you're living in that church, like it's really easy to give of your time to God because that's your job. But a lot of us don't get that opportunity. We don't get the opportunity to serve in ministry full time and our time is a precious commodity, right? Time is a precious commodity. You've all heard the saying that time is money. Time is extremely valuable. It's something that we can give and when we give of our time, we tell people that they are worth our time. We tell people that we love them. We tell people that uh, we support them and that we think that what they are doing is a good thing. To live a life completely dedicated to God can seem and feel at times impossible. It can seem at times to just be absolutely impossible. Dr. Paul Toms, he was an author and a pastor. He passed away in 2015, but he has a quote that I love. He's quoted as saying that we are all in full-time Christian service. It's just that some of us serve the Lord in secular jobs and others in ministry jobs, but either way, we should be using our gifts to represent Christ in the best possible way. So it is possible. It is possible to give completely of our time to God. It's just that we do that through whatever task it is that we have found to do. Whatever task it is that we have found to do. The question is, are we doing it? That's the question. The question is, are we doing it? Are we doing all of our work as if we were doing it for the Lord? Are you doing that? That's something that takes self-introspection. That's something that takes you being honest with yourself to really discover and to really admit to and to really figure out. Now, we have these elder meetings Sunday mornings, and, we get, and, and they're, they're good. Like, they're good for my soul. We get in there, we talk about our spiritual lives, we pray, we talk about how we can improve the church and the different things that we can do. But one of the things that's been brought up recently by Jared is lukewarm Christianity. Are we giving God the leftovers? Jared's been reading a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. That's the title, correct? And in this Crazy Love, one of the things that Chan approaches people with, the question that he approaches people with is, what are you giving to God? At the end of the day, is God getting his portion or is he just getting the leftovers? Is he just getting the leftovers? Do you do everything else that it is that you do and then God's the afterthought? Right before bed, you think, oh, I haven't read my Bible today. So you open it real quick, you read two verses and go to sleep great, right? I did it. Checked it off. But is God getting your best or is he just getting what you have left over? What God has called you to do in life, that requires your time. What God has called you to do in life, that requires your time. And when opportunities arise in the church, like the community kitchen or the nightlight Christmas party or um, any other various tasks that we present in front of you, can you give of your time to show people that, one, they're worthy of it, to show people that God loves them, and to just say, God, what I have is yours. And if you require this time from me, then I can give it. Because... One of the things that Chan argues in that book, and it's a book that I'm going to need to borrow from Jared and, and read, is that you can't be lukewarm and Christian. Right? You can't be lukewarm and Christian. You can't just give God your leftovers, whatever you have left, and expect Him to fully embrace you. Because 
God tells us in Scripture, if, if you're neither hot nor cold, if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Right? Meaning that, that you're not mine if that's the relationship that you want to have with me. And if we think about it, that makes sense. That's any relationship, right? If, if there's a relationship in life that we lukewarm, we're not going to bend over backwards for that person. So when we think about our teams, we think about the various teams that we have in life, we have to give of our time. We have to show those teams, whether that be our wife and kids or people at work or people at church or people at school or people wherever we may find them, that they matter to us. That they matter to us. Time is an extremely valuable resource. And when we spend our time, like I said, we tell people they're important. But we also, we also must give of our talents. We also must give of our talents. Let's look in 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. Now this is a story of Elijah and the widow woman. Now this is a little bit of reading. It's a lot of scripture. I hope you don't mind scripture in church. Bear with me. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. All right, so hey, will you give me some water? She starts to walk up. Oh, don't forget the bread. Right? That's how that went. And this is what she said. She said, I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Right? She told him right before that, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. So I'm going to go make this bread and then we're going to die. Then verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, but first, make the last of your bread so that you and your son can die. But first, make me a small loaf. I'm hungry. So, but first, make me a small loaf, okay, from what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Some time later, after this all took place, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally he stopped breathing. And she said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms. He carried him up to the upper room and where he was staying, and he laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with? By causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into his house and he gave him to his mother and said, look, he's still alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now, Elijah is arguably the greatest prophet in history. During his time, he was the only mouthpiece for God. God used him almost exclusively to tell the people his will and to lead and guide and direct people's steps. And like a lot of the prophets in that age, he didn't have a money source of himself. He was completely in the service of God. He would have not been 
well-to-do at all. He would have not had nice clothes. He would have not had nice things. He completely relied on other people to sustain him. And so God tells him in the midst of a famine to go to this town and find this widow and she will feed you. Now, in a famine, especially in this day and age, a widow is the last person that you would ask for food or water if you needed it. Because she would be the one that had the least amount and she would be the one to run out of what she had stored first. Right? And, and, and the story even tells us that that's what was taking place. She just had a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. She was going to go home, make a final loaf of bread, give it to her son. They were going to eat it and then they were going to die. That was her plan. She was hopeless. There was nothing left. And here comes Elijah strolling into town and he sees this widow and he asks her, hey, give me some water. And, and she, go, she does. She goes and she gets him a jar and she gets him some water and gives him some of the drink. But on the way, he's like, hey, also make me some bread. Now, can you imagine what she was thinking? Like, can you imagine the side eye that Elijah got? Excuse me? Like, do you know what's going on right now? Do you know that there's a famine? Do you understand that I'm a widow and that we barely have anything and that I'm about to give my son the last piece of food that we have and then we are just going to die? And you're asking for some of that? Do you have any idea? Like, I would have loved for somebody to come up to my mom and say, hey, give me some of the last little bit of bread that you have if that's the only thing that we had. She would have, mama bear, right? And we all have seen mama bear. Mama ain't happy and nobody happy. That's a saying for a reason. But Elijah, he took a chance here because God had told him that this would be so. And, and even so, the widow, stepping out in faith at Elijah's words, did exactly what he asked her to do. Now, Elijah had nothing to give back in return, right? Nothing to give back in return other than the fact that he told her that, hey, God would sustain your oil and he would sustain your flour and you would not run dry. And they didn't. And that was a good thing. But that was a gift from God. That was a gift from God. And then here comes her son, and her son gets ill, and her son gets sick, and her son dies, and she's just distraught. Why did you come here? To show me all my sin and let my son die? And so Elijah gave of his talent. He gave of what he had to give. And his talent was that he was the mouthpiece for God. His talent was that he worked on God's behalf, and that he was a man of faith, and that he was a man who could speak life into existence. And he gave willingly of that because that's what he had to give. See, a, a gift of our talents often requires a gift of our time. It's twofold. And in this story, we see the widow give of her treasure because literally the only thing that she had to her name left was some oil and some flour and her son. And then her son dies and, and in appreciation of what she was given, Elijah says, look, I don't have money to give you, but I can give you my time and talents. And my question to you today is, can you do that? Can you do that? See, a lot of us think we get this idea in our head that if we can't give monetarily, then we just don't have anything to give. And I don't know if that's a self-confidence issue. I don't know if that's just a, an issue that we don't see that our time and our talent is, is and can be as valuable as our money. But we have talents, each and every one of us, right, that we can give. For instance, and I'm picking on Jared a lot today, but Jared does all the graphics for our series. And the most Jared gets is a, hey, thanks, Jared, appreciate it. Right, but that's a talent that he has. He, he, he's like an internet graphic design whiz kid. 
whiz man. He's a whiz man. He's the wizard. Okay? He's got, he's got a lot of talents that he willingly gives because he can. And, and, and some of you have talents that you think, man, I don't know how this works, but like Shelly back there is the queen of spreadsheets. She's the queen of spreadsheets. She has, has made us beautiful, wonderful, functional spreadsheets that help us stay organized and, and, and look after things and, and just function as a church. She's done that for years. And we have our band up here who's giving up their musical ability who, in case you didn't know, they, they really don't get paid. Do you? Do you get paid? L- Laurie gets paid. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> they, they do not get paid. Right? And they give up their time Sunday morning and they get here earlier than most Sunday morning to practice and they come back after church to practice for the next week and they spend time throughout their week preparing and prepping and understanding what's about to come to come here and lead us in worship. My point is this. You all have a talent. Now, I don't necessarily know what that is, okay? It may not be like America's got talent, quality talent, but you've all got stuff that you can do that you're good at, that you can do better than others, or that you can at least do serviceably. Is that a fair statement? And so how can you give of your talents? Do you look for ways to, to serve God by giving of your talents? And I'm not just talking about here at Crosspoint. I'm talking about in life in general. Do you give of your talents when you see those opportunities? Because to be part of the team that we are all on, to be part of the brotherhood and the sisterhood of Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, we must be able to give of not only our time, but our talent. We must also give of our treasure. We must also give of our treasure. Now, don't tune me out here because this is what happens. People hear the word treasure they, and they attach that word to money and then everybody falls asleep or the phones come out. Right? That's what happens. Well, it's <laughs> he's talking about something I don't want to talk about right now. But we must give of our treasure. Let's read Matthew 27, 57 through 60. It says, As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. He had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he had asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He had rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. <laughs> Amen. Now, Joseph was a very, very, very wealthy man. Okay, Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man. We know this because he had a tomb carved out of rock in a day and age when most people didn't even have burial plots. Like, they just threw him outside of the town gates. Right? But he had a whole tomb carved out of the mountainside prepped and prepared for his burial. It took his treasure to purchase that. And he came after Jesus' death and he saw the need and he gave of his treasure. He gave of his treasure to Jesus. He gave of his treasure to Jesus. And while we don't know the exact cost, we know that that wasn't a normal burial. And he gave something of great expense to him. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to do the same? Now, if you heard treasure and you automatically attach it to money, let me tell you something, you're halfway wrong. 
right? Because treasure can be our funds, treasure can be our money, but it can also be whatever it is in our lives and in our hearts that we place the most significance on. Will you give of your treasure? Are you willing to do so? See, when it comes down to these three things, to giving of our time, to giving of our talents, and to giving of our treasure, those three things have one thing in common. It's the attitude. It's the attitude. It doesn't matter if you give more or less of others. It matters that you give what God has called you to give. That's what's important. That's what's important. And it's seeing these things. It's seeing my time. It's seeing my talents. And it's seeing my treasure as something God-given that belongs to Him. Right? If we look at life, we should look at life like this. This is what God has blessed me with. Not look at all that I have done. Right? Not look at all that I have done, but this is what God has blessed me with. And if we look at things as this is what God has blessed me with, then we are more likely to freely give of it. We are more likely to freely give of it. It doesn't become crippling to give of our 10% for our tithe because we know that that money came from Jesus anyways, came from God anyways. It doesn't become crippling to take a couple hours out of our night when we just wanted to watch Netflix and relax or do whatever it was because God gave me this time. And it doesn't become too much to give of our talent and to take the time to do so because we say, God has blessed me with this and I will serve the Lord to the best of my ability. If we want to be the team that we can ultimately be, if we want to reach the pinnacle, if we want to be the Christians that God has called us to be, then it is of the utmost importance that we become people who give and who see everything that we have as God's. That's ultimately what's important. Because as we see in, in the Bible, there's the parable that Jesus tells to his disciples about the widow, right? And there, there, there was a widow who gave and there was a rich man who gave. And the rich man came in and he gave a ton of money. I mean, he came in and he was just dropping it in the temple. And people were like, this is awesome. Right? But he gave out of plenty. He gave out of his wealth. He, he, it didn't hurt him any to do that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but all I'm saying is that he gave because he had a lot. But then the widow comes in and the widow gives of her last two tiny coins that really surmounted and added up to nothing. But Jesus tells his disciples, I tell you verily, truly, that she gave more than he. Because while he gave out of his bounty and his plentifulness, she gave out of her despair and her poorness. What has God called you to give in life? Are you giving it? For us to be the team that God has called us to be, we need to make sure that that is what we're doing. Pray with me. God, we come to you right now. We thank you that you are a God who gives us not only our time and our talents, but our treasure as well. God, help us all to be individuals who see those things as your property. Help us to be people who love you and want to honor you and love others around us, who see these many gifts that you've given us as gifts that we can give to others. Help us to be a church that really is here to serve. Help us to be people who seek first the kingdom of God. 
Help us to be people who love you more than anything else. Help us not to hold on to things or be ashamed of what you say that we are. Help us to just be people with giving spirits. Lord, we ask for all these things in your name. Amen. Now, I'll be over here to the left underneath the TV screen. If you need to come talk with me or pray, come talk and let's pray. You need to talk about becoming a member of this church or you're interested in the different ways that you could serve at this church or what this church is about, come talk to me as well. If you need to rededicate your life, if you say, listen, I haven't been giving of my time, I haven't been giving of my talents, and I haven't been giving of my treasure like Jesus has called me to do, and I want to get back on track with that. I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. I want to fully live in the light of Christ, and I want to give my life over to him completely. Come talk to me about that as well. We can talk about what that may mean and what that looks like. Otherwise, stand with us and let's worship the God who has given us everything.